Still feeling the after effects, huh, Zach? I went to my first concert, like a legit concert. Like I was in San Antonio. We went to like a um, like a DeLorean style concert there. I think I talked about that. There was like a thousand San Antonio. Yeah. So there was a lot of fun. It's different. They're like playing a lot of covers, whatever, yada, yada. I went to my first real concert, like real artist, non-cover band artist. And gosh, I think the last time I went to a, a concert concert was with Jim Carroll. And it was like oh, it was a Dave, yeah, Dave Matthews, Dave band, Matthews band, like 2015. Yeah. And I went to Jelly Roll this weekend, which at the time I only knew two of his songs, one and a half, really. Place was absolutely smashed. It was it was crazy to to the brim. Had lawn seats, definitely loved having lawn seats. Never smelled so much marijuana in my life. Who knew that was a thing <laughs> that people um well like it's so weird because I was asking my buddy, I was like, when did this change? Because, you know, a couple of years ago, you you might have smelled remnants of it, but not a lot of it. It was it was, yeah. it was crazy. And um, yeah. there is something special about being uh, at, a, at, a, at a wild show. A lot of people having fun. It's good to see 20,000 people in there. I know you go to yep. shows all the time. You're at like number 44 for the year. Yeah, um, we were. Uh, so you did Jelly Roll Saturday. We were there the next night for uh, 50 Cent, and uh, that was a fun time. I don't know if it was just the uh, the remnants of Jelly Roll, or perhaps uh, 50 brought the product in as well. But uh, yeah, there's strong uh, strong odor there as well. People are having fun. It's good to see. Yeah, yeah, it's um. I don't know. There, there is just something special bringing people together. It was a very yeah. positive crowd, and uh, it's nice to remember that um, we music have, brings everyone together. That's that's what I love about it so much. It's a ton of fun. We have the ability to do that, and it, it's fun. Tom, what was the last concert you went to? Are you a, a music buff? Are you? Uh... I I am not a huge a lot. I love live music, but I'm not one who wants to go to a concert and be in and all that. I prefer sort of live shows. So I think the last show I was at was uh, Why Not Wednesday here in Town Center, just not yesterday, but the week before. I think uh, I definitely try to make an appearance there. That's one nice thing about working in Town Center is uh, take advantage of the amenities that they throw out there. And, um, you know, usually we get a couple employees we want. We walk over there, have a couple drinks after work, and uh, enjoy the music they put out there. Have you ever been to the, one of those, Tim? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I yeah. I no. How about you, Zach? I, Have you? I feel like I've been to one way back when. I, what year are they right? into this? I think seven now. Seven, and they, uh, they. It's every Wednesday, and you see that sort of catching on because New Realm down in South Virginia Beach does the same thing on Wednesdays and they, they sometimes cycle through the same bands like good shot, Judy DeLoreans, you know, they kind of, it's almost like a circuit, a Wednesday circuit. Right. What, what's interesting about this, that you brought that up. And I know, I, I don't even know if you guys are associated with them at all, but how, why not has really just taken the pizza shop into branding into different aspects. So they got the one out Wednesdays, which is which is cool. They got that. Uh, I think they're ODU's ticket partner. Ticket. Yeah, I'm sh you know, they got Tony and what he's doing with his um, personal branding stuff, trying to get that out there. It's interesting how this little pizza shop on Great Neck, thirty years ago, I believe, has turned into such a interesting um, situation where yeah, that the brand just has evolved in, in getting out there and. 
Oh, you you talk about entrepreneurs in the area. You know, Tony is definitely one where he has his hand in a lot of different businesses, you know, commercial real estate, I think even regular real estate, it's, it's all over the, all over the map. And, uh, you know, I think I've even seen, uh, his daughter selling jewelry, you know, and stuff like that. So it definitely runs in the family, a family affair. I think when I had my TV show, Hampton runs business weekly, I think he was the first dude that I interviewed. If I recall. Yeah. I don't know. I might be, I might be lying. Zach's stat out there. Who knows? But one of, one of <laughs> one of the first interviews. Yeah, we'll just have to check the tape, right? <laughs> yeah, it was that old that it probably was tape at that point. You know? <laughs> hmm. I remember watching those. So it was you and Cheryl Tan, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing those, yeah. and it was yeah. really I, nice I think, to see. I think they still have some form of it. I um, I bailed when it became pay to play. And they started telling me what to ask from a questions perspective. I did one of them. And I was like, the other thing for me, I'm out. Deuces. And um, yeah, just, it was fun. Um, We did it for five years. I think it's called Connect Now. It's more of like Mm -hmm. an ad commercial, whatever they call it. What are the? um, Advertisement. Yeah. Where they pay for uh, a talking head to to say something about you, you specific questions, promo. That's just not for me. You know, I, I, I can barely read a teleprompter. You know, I, if I got to read words on a screen to remember what to say like that, that's just that's just too much. So we shouldn't mm. tell everyone that today's talk is scripted. Well, it's absolutely <laughs> scripted. We got this entire A block and B block on there, which no one knows what it means. I got 17 questions. It's right here. It says, Zach, right. at six minutes into this, you're supposed to say right. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, tell me, tell us about Marathon Consulting. What, uh, fill us in. Well, I'll, I'll give a little bit of my history with Marathon. So, um, Marathon was founded in uh, 2006 by four partners. Um, and they all worked at uh, one back in the day, Metro Information Systems, then was bought by Keen. And Keen was sort of changing their, uh, their overall target to be more fortune 500 only go to big targets, million dollar projects. And in our area, there's only so many of those. And what was starting to develop is they were starting to, you know, let clients who didn't fit that mold linger. So the four partners, uh, Harris, Al, Tony, and Ben, Tony and Ben are still uh, with marathon today. Uh, they basically said, you know, let's let's serve this market. Let's get out there. And they already had good connections from consult uh, IT consulting that they were already doing. Um, so they they took the jump and uh, formed Marathon in 06. Uh, I joined in 2010 and was there were about 25 employees at the time. And, you know, I, I got to I came from a broadcasting software development background. So. You can thank me for all the like widgets on the screens and, you know, the peacock that that uh, that shows its tails and things like that. But I was I was from that development background. I jumped into Marathon and just wanted more variety in terms of what I was developing. So I started as a as a consultant, worked with Steel, uh, worked with a company in Northern Virginia called Sonics and just sort of uh, started developing solutions. And as I developed my time at Marathon, I became more involved in. Uh, recruiting, some business development, and uh, and now I kind of sit as vice president of Marathon, uh, working with Tony and Ben and running the company. And I wear 
you know, every hat known to man, I still code every <laughs> once in a while. I still uh, get out there and recruit. We were at the SQL, local SQL Server user group last night, uh, sponsoring and and sort of uh, getting involved there. And you know, I'm I'm passionate about really what my clients are trying to do and and trying to find solutions and making sure Marathon's a great place to work. Now we're about 115 people, and basically from a services perspective. We serve, you know, custom app development. That's really where Marathon got started. Anywhere from, you know, big web applications, desktop applications, enterprise applications, uh, mobile applications as well. Um, web development more on the digital marketing side. So anything with the CMS, anything that's really public facing and, and large website development in that area. A lot of data solutions development. So data analytics, warehousing, uh, a little bit of machine learning, um, uh, and then spreading into IT advisory. So to make all these projects work, we have a lot of PMs and BAs on our team uh, to make sure that what we're developing is on time and actually what the client needs. Uh, so there's a whole array of things going on there. But uh, you know, Marathon has, has meant a lot to me. It's been 13 years of, of the majority of my professional development career. And you know, I've, I've loved being here and, and love where we're going as well. That world's changed a lot from, when did you say it started? 06, 07, something like that? 06, Marathon started, yeah. You know, 17 years of that. I mean, the iPhone wasn't even out at that point. Obviously, that completely changed the world to, to mobile uh, development stuff in there. I've been in that world for for some of it. Tim's been in that for some of it. Like, it's... It, 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 it's so wild. How do you guys like be on the precipice of, of what's next and, and, and to actually invest into something like that? Cause I feel like it's a very risky thing to do it and a very risky thing to not do it because right. you know that so many people could jump on that thing. And it's, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's just so wild that we, if you really were to look through the, the, the timeline of those 16, 17 years, how many new like ridiculous things have come through that? Yeah. And still not a single back uh, back to the future hoverboard. Like <laughs> someone has got to do this thing, yeah. but it's just, you look at it and you're just like, wow. Like, so, so how do you know what to bet on and what not to? Well, I think, I think from our perspective, we're, we look at delivering solutions, right? So uh, the one thing I would highlight is from, from 06 to now, if you're a strong developer, you're finding a way to contribute to whatever team or whatever development you're working on. You find that uh, still at the end of the day, a logical mind, um, you know, can put pieces together, can understand how a system works, can still deliver. And that's really where we look at it from our perspective. Um, you know, we are a Microsoft partner, so we've definitely developed in the Microsoft ecosystem and kind of rode that wave as, as as that trend changes, as as they go to different things, as they embrace open source, um, we've kind of rode that wave. But we've never said, you know, hey, we're we are the experts, and we're only going to do SharePoint or something like that. We've never um, married ourselves to a technology stack or anything like that. We've married ourselves to solving solutions and solving problems, and we use the technology where things go. Um, with that being said, professional development and making sure that we're riding that wave, keeping an outlook of what's coming, um, that's a core competency. And, and we even have a director of, of, of professional development 
to make sure that we're giving our employees time to kind of uh, get out there and see what's coming, improve their skills, making sure we're watching what's coming and listening to our clients to understand that what's resonating for them uh, in the marketplace and making sure that, you know, we're following that trend and, and making sure we're going forward. But yeah, it's, it's not easy. I, I would say as a developer myself, I get, you know, I get stressed. You know, I, once I finally figure something out, there's something new to figure out. Right. And, and, uh, but that's one of the things we look for in recruits. We look for someone who's never settled, um, and, and just wants to do one thing. If we see a developer who's been, you know, working for the government 10 years and worked on one specific technology and hasn't looked out there and popped his head up to see what's next, that's not going to work with Marathon. Right. Um, right. So that, those, if we keep on track and looking for those things, we find we build a culture of people who are who are not happy just sticking with the status quo. That doesn't mean we don't work on some really old applications sometimes where, you know, the person retired and, and the company's like, ah, uh, I need help. <laughs> um, so we definitely are in those circumstances a lot. But, you know, we we really strive for that variety and and maybe we you know, help prop up an old application and keep on putting, you know, band-aids on to make sure it keeps functioning. Well, on the side, we're, we're putting together a proposal to replace this thing and, and modernize and get it up into the cloud or wherever they need to go. Yeah, that's always a difficult conversation, especially with like when you're a consulting in the consulting world and you know that something is just held together with band-aids and then, you know, that the client is just expecting for you to say, man, you know, it's really time for you to upgrade. And, and but the, the reality is it, it is the time to upgrade. It's not you trying to make a play to have follow on work to generate more revenue. It's a, that's always been a tough conversation. How do you navigate conversations like that? Or is it just a matter of building trust from the beginning? It's, it's building the trust. It's being there when the problem happens. Right. And saying, OK, we'll get you through this and then then let's talk about you know, how to make this sustainable. And, and, and really that's one of the, you know, things at Marathon is we, we, we do not want to parachute into a project and parachute out. That, that is not our goal. Our goal is certainly to do a project and roll it on to the client's, you know, uh, capabilities and they continue to build on it. But we want it, the client to know that we're not looking at the end date and just waiting to get out and move on to our next project. Like, like maybe you might see a road warrior do who wants, you know, I'm coming in for my three months project and then you'll never see me or hear from me again. Um, we want to be that person that uh, that the company can still call and support and and be there for the long haul. And like Steel, for example, was was one of our first clients in 06 and we're still doing business with them in 23. So, um, I mean, building those wrong relationships that 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 allows us to create a sustainable model so that we can continue to build on marathon uh grow our client structure grow into different services and and grow geographically when you yeah. think about the style of business that you guys do insert what any of the descriptors that you used um before i don't know that uh, outside of the government space i don't government contracting space i don't know that people would look at this area as a place where that's thriving or or, or there is that type of talent to 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 develop that it, is that a hard sell for you when you're selling to to clients how do you how do you get clients are, are they asking about things like that because even though you've been doing it for 17 years and there's plenty of those companies in this area yeah 
it just seems like that narrative is still kind of like, well, those people don't exist here. So yeah. I might have to go somewhere else. Like, how do, how do you, how, how does that conversation go? Well, I mean, I think for the most part, you know, we've developed our business more on uh, referrals and word of mouth as, as anything. We do a great job for someone and, and work with a particular, you know, IT manager or director at some place. And then that person moves to some other place and they have a relationship with us. We can kind of come in and continue to deliver. Um, you know, I hate the narrative that, you know, we're, we're backwards in terms of technology or, or we're not, you know, on the cusp. We're not, you know, we're not in Boston. We don't have an MIT next door. You know, that that is not, um, I don't think that is a fair comparison. Maybe we aren't the hotbed of, you know, we're not pumping out software engineers daily, but we have a lot of great uh, universities in the area. The problem is pulling talent into Hampton Roads um, that want to stay here. And we've had a lot of success doing that. We're, but there's there's challenges. It's hard, you know, if you consider we find a, a strong software engineer coming out of CNU, for example, and uh, we, we give them an offer and then Amazon in DC is trying to fill a quota and, and they give an offer that's, you know, 50% higher you know, it's hard to compete with that. And, and certainly though, that, you know, we always look at it from a consistency perspective, you know, we're trying to build a career for that person. You know, you look at Amazon, they got over their skis in terms of hiring and then, then fired a bunch of people or laid off a bunch of people. And, and that person who was last on could certainly be part of that. And, and I've worked with, you know, I worked at Google, I worked at Amazon. I understand how those companies operate. They look for the best talent. Um, and concentrate the best talent and and lord knows it's rewarding to as an engineer to work there but um you're living and breathing that company and and what they do and uh and it's it's it can be a little cultish uh but uh you know it's fun to get involved with but the reason i'm not there is i i wanted to be married a little bit longer than a year so um, I definitely uh, chose a different route and, and came down to Hampton Roads and built a life down here. But um, that being said, there there is talent in this area. We're lucky to work with a lot of that talent. There are talent at companies here. There there are companies here that um, are doing great things. Uh, you know, um, Drone Up obviously gets a lot of press, but um, Yellow Dog, for example, in Norfolk, you know, they are in as an inventory control system in most most of the stadiums in North America now. Um, they are the backbone that that makes things work in big stadiums. Like uh, it's uh, it's really impressive to see software being developed here that is used everywhere, and, th and they found their place. and And Yellow Dog, for example, is a client, and we found a place to help them in times when they can't find the talent or when they need someone you know, we can be there hopefully to help. And, and that's really how we've built. We've, we've been there in times of need and, and, and opportunity. And, and once you deliver, once you build that reputation, it can, can kind of continue beyond that. Do you know Jay, Tim? Jay living good no. from Yellow Dog? No. I used to golf with him. Like, I feel like once a week, um, way back when, when uh, the ODU golf course was still open. No, this is like 15 years ago. I, he, and he's really turned uh, Yellow Dog into something special. It's been really cool to see him um, do that and to uh, have to travel to the different stadiums and 
Um, would you say most of the stadiums in North America? I mean, that's that's a pretty cool stat to say. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know exactly percentage, but I know they're in a lot of the big ones, especially the new ones, and and they are they are busy. And talk about a product that has to integrate with almost any other product in the world. Um, yeah. You know, in in terms of inventory control, they have to integrate with you know everything that different stadiums work with their vendors and. You know, when when you get involved in that type of technology, you're talking, you know, some people who who have modernized and use APIs and can communicate that way. But some people are still EDI and some people are still sending spreadsheets and CSV files back and forth. Right. So this is your faxes, please. But then you find some of the, you know, modern point of sale systems that are going into stadiums that they have to work with, like. I don't know if you've been to the DC stadiums lately, but you know, you buy a pizza, you just set it under a camera. And I was, I was, I, I went to see Ed Sheeran at FedEx Field, yeah. and and it was the uh, the un unstaffed kiosk. Yeah. You go to the cooler, you grab a, a drink, you scan it, you uh, pay with your Apple Pay or whatever, and uh, I mean, it was magical stuff. It was it was pretty quite impre- it was really really impressive. Yeah, the the camera one is what gets me like not even scanning the drinks, but just putting it under and it sees what it is, pops it up and you're done. Just, uh, just, uh, the technology behind that being, being in tech, I always like to think about how they're making that happen. How do they deal with, you know, people who decide to put something else in their pizza box, you know, this stuff happens, but, uh, but from a beer perspective, just a canned beer or whatever, yeah, I remember when Tim told me that, and then standing in the line that I did this past weekend, you know, within there's only seven people in line. I waited 19 minutes just to yeah. get handed a 19 dollar dilly dilly. Like, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> come on, like this is a two second like situation. Like, let's yeah. let's, let's invest in the people. But yeah, yeah. So I want to uh, for those that that don't know you, they may hear a little little accent, if you will. Yes. You're uh, you are from Canada. How, uh, how did you end up in, in the Hampton Roads? It's a good story. Um, so I, uh, I'm born and raised in Toronto and uh, all that comes with being born and raised in Toronto. So a lifelong Leaf, Blue Jade, Raptors, everything. Go Bills. Above. And Bills fan, yes. And, uh, and uh, Syracuse Orange, because that's the only yeah. team, college team that we would get. But uh, yeah. uh, went to the University of Waterloo, which I would say is the MIT of the North. And, uh, and had a lot of opportunity. So um, I think it's worth explaining it at Waterloo. It's a very big co-op program. And I see that ODU is starting to really invest in, in beefing up their co-op efforts. But basically the way Waterloo structured is I went into software engineering and me, along with my hundred of my classmates, we basically had a prescribed plan for all of our four and a half years there and basically how it works and and every program is like this that has a co-op variant either at the beginning of your time at school or at the end of the time at school you're there for eight eight months you're two semesters at the beginning or two semesters at the end and then in between as you're doing your how many uh, eight semesters throughout school so four years of school you go four months on school four months working four months on four months off four months on four months off and you know moving or going wherever the job is at that time and what that means for the school is that there's always you know 10 or 15,000 students going out to work 
10 or 15,000 students coming back to school. So every four months, everybody's switching. And what that allows for, for employers, um, it allows for a consistent intern workforce. So I would say in, in, in America, the model has been very much, you know, you get a bunch of summer interns, you have this program all, all configured and scripted, and, and they do that, and then they all go back to school, right? With, with the companies that have caught on to this Waterloo model, and I'm telling you, a lot of American companies are hiring from there because that's how I got involved in the States. Um, they come there every four months as part of a repeatable pattern, fill up their intern queues, get them on teams that, that need interns and go from there. So Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Texas Instruments, uh, Dell, all the, and a lot of companies from New York in the financial space as well, Morgan Stanley, um, uh, Goldman Sachs. A lot of these companies would hire their interns from Waterloo and just turn them over and it's a repeatable process. So you don't have to figure out you know, I don't have to go on an intern roadshow at 15 universities at school. I've got a great candidate. You know, the school is very good. Waterloo is very good. So I've got this great pool of candidates that I know I'm going to have a pool of candidates in the areas I want, learning what I want every four months. So that started. And, and I think that's worthwhile to talk about because because that kind of co-op program is super interesting. But how did I get to the States? Basically, I started um, interning with a broadcasting company called Leach. Leach's headquarters in Toronto, but Leach had an office here in Chesapeake, Virginia, and in Burbank. So there was a there was an office that did a lot of routing equipment, video routing equipment here in Chesapeake. After doing a couple internships in Toronto, I said, "Hey, I want to do something new." The Chesapeake office said, "We'd love to have you," and uh, I came down here in 04, did an internship, fell in love with the area, then went to work on the West Coast a little bit. As, as part of another couple internships. And when school ended, I had like, uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of choosing from like four or five job offers, which is, I know not the norm, but super lucky. And, and I chose to come down here in Chesapeake and worked for them for five years until the, uh, until the big bad Toronto office said, hey, we want to close the Chesapeake office. And I said, I want to stay and mm. uh, found Marathon and went from there. But, uh, you know, both, both my wife and I, Diane and I decided, you know, Chesapeake was the right place to us on the East Coast, only a day drive back home and uh, and was a really cool area and that you still get the four seasons, but uh, get to you get to live like a tourist if you want. Three and a half. Yeah. Three and well, a half. Three and a half. One day, a, one day of snow counts. One day. Of and snow that's all, yeah. And as a quick reminder, that's all you need is one day. Yep. Well, you know. Speak for yourselves. I mean, you know, um, so you say that about school. I don't want this doesn't have to be a big like school like bashing situation. Um, but it seems like a lot of schools don't do that thing that you're talking about with with Waterloo. It sounds extremely smart because you, you put kids through this system, you know, some two, some four, some more than yeah. that. But then they're sit there, they're SOL. They're like, well, what do I do now? How do I find this? And it's like yeah. that missing piece of like, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to go work here. I'm going yeah. to do this. And it's, it's like, I don't think I was ever, well, I, I wasn't forced into having an internship at WVU, yeah. um, which I think is a, a challenge in itself. Cause I think that would have taught me a lot of things, but, but to be able to actually like start working and getting in the ground level at some of these businesses seems to be that missing piece of the higher education. 
like are, are you seeing i think you said maybe odu is starting to do this like well, are, I, are you I, seeing schools start to do that like why do you think they're not implementing that stuff because because one of my other deeper questions was going to be i remember way back 15 years ago doing titan stuff even just just having friends in the tech space mm -hmm. they're like they go to school but they're so far back on 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 the coding world that like they're not learning anything that makes sense yet that's what they think they have to do and, and so like i don't know like what what's the my my <laughs> view today the state is of tech at the university level yeah my view today is a lot different i think i think a lot of the the universities that we deal with and and we've dealt with students from you know cnu odu william and mary virginia tech um we had one UVA intern at one point, but we and and George Mason as well, um, trying to get involved with VCU and University of Richmond. But what they're what they are learning is is relevant. Like it's it's not like schools are um, completely only teaching theory, and then once you get them in front and say, "Hey, I want to work on an Angular app on this website and and develop this," they're like, "Oh, no." A lot of times. Um, they're seeing things, whether it be even starting in high school or doing little programmatic challenges on the side, they're getting involved. And in students that we're looking for, for either a traditional internship or like a full year internship where, um, you know, the students going to school and working, which for a lot of people that I've met, you know, kind of coming up, that has been a great solution where they just kind of make their own internship. But um you know, for the ones that that we have been seeing, their technology stack has been more relevant. And and in the screening process, we're really looking for those people who can kind of jump in and people are, who've shown a shown a penchant for learning. Um, for example, our recent intern, he had a project. I look over my shoulder because he's sitting over there. Uh, he had a project um, where, you know, he was big into uh, Super Smash Brothers. Right. So he ran the club at William & Mary and he decided to build an application that would basically lay out, um, you know, a, a tournament form and factor and create an app that sort of uh, would line everybody up and take away a lot of the, you know, repeated organizations. When we see someone who's doing projects like that, who's, who's applying technology to real world problems that they're facing, those are the type of people that we want to be talking to. Um, and I'm seeing more and more of that done, but there there is a set of students who go to school and just expect to, to know uh, what they have to do at the end of the day. And those are the ones that I think, you know, it, it's it's hard to connect. They, they are either missing someone in their life to kind of connect things to reality. And, you know, I see with interns that come our way, it's definitely a lot of times it's a friend of a client or a parent and says, hey, I know this kid is coming up. You want to take a look at them? And, you know, they get to us that way. With interns, it seems to come many different ways. The thing where I contrast Waterloo is it was just that, that formal uh, orchestration where, you know, you were running through a process. It was a it was an intern factory, right? And companies could come there and know what they were getting. It's like buying widgets instead of trying to figure out every time what they're doing. Uh, they had they had a method to that madness, and I I know I know there's many schools in the states that have kind of adopted that model, or they might have stole the, the model from someone else. But 
Um, I did see recently that ODU is trying to really get serious about um, a co-op program. I don't know how they're going to implement it yet, but I know, um, I think Dr. Barbara Blake is in front of it. And I've, I've worked with her on, on Lead Hampton Road stuff in the past and, and uh, certainly interested to see what they come up with because we're always looking. What year were you? Lead Hampton Roads? Lee Hampton Roads, best class ever, 2018. Damn it, you stole my line. I was going to say that. The best year. Why do you guys always say yeah, that? Yeah, like, that's I the like, thing. I don't know. It's, it's programmed. Right. Do they still do what? that? It's uh, called uh, 757 Lead now or something along those lines. Hmm. But, yeah, it's it's still run. And, uh, um, you know, I, I always – there. it's a great program to get connected with the area. And, you know, Zach, I know you talk a lot about networking and things like that. I, I hate, I hate large rooms. I like to have long conversations with a few people. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how I operate. So when LEAP came about and I'm like 50 people where I'm going to spend about 10 days with these 50 people and get to know all of them, that worked really well in my favor, plus learning about the region at the same time. So I think, you know, that model speaks to me. I've, I've stayed in touch with you know, probably at least 50% of my class and, and we see each other throughout the region all the time or, you know, are good friends now and, and do things together. So it's a great program. Absolutely great program. Yeah. You've, so you've touched a lot about the college age and internships and all that. You're also really involved with Thrive. What, uh, talk to us about what Thrive is. Um, what, and what, what is it? What is Thrive? So Thrive is uh, probably the worst name now because it seems like everybody has a Thrive program or a Thrive market. It's it's being <laughs> being used a lot, uh, specifically by the United Way. But Thrive was originally started um, about uh, we're about eight years ago now, I think, by the Hampton Roads Chamber, and it was designed to build a program that appealed to young professionals. So anybody forty and younger and there's a lot of young professional groups in the area, downtown 100, CBDX, but a lot of them are very regionally focused um, or focused around a nonprofit. Uh, the chamber wanted to start one so that, you know, the chamber hosts a lot of different events, but they're like $50 a lunch or $70 a dinner and things like that. That's not approachable for, for someone who's, you know, at a young professional company just trying to get it started. And not a lot of companies are willing to invest that. And the Hampton Roads Chamber said, hey, you know, there's a lot of great ideas. We're not going to be the leaders of, of the chamber forever. We need to build a farm system. And that's where Thrive sort of came about, getting people involved in, in business issues, local issues early, um, and also creating a place outside of, you know, traditional networking for people to get together. And um I, I attended the first few events and I'm like, oh, this is great, but I feel that there's kind of like a clique there and I didn't really crack. Uh, it wasn't something that, you know, really resonated at the time. And at Marathon, I was more just a sole contributor, individual contributor at that area. I wasn't really thinking about business development at the time. And then I got to know some of the past chairs a lot better uh, through Lead Hampton Roads and other things and kind of got said, hey, you, you have the makeup for this. This is, this is something you can take and run with. And, and basically we really developed on the, on the peers of, you know, regional engagement, um, 
you know, to, to really develop that connection to the area and then business to business collaboration, right? I've met people there that, you know, I, I've never thought I'd do business with. And then the phone rings six months later and it's like, oh, this makes sense. Maybe we can work together. But just meeting people outside of our normal swim lanes is really how we get, you know, we, we move beyond what we, we do. So Thrive was a great way to do that. I stepped up after COVID um, to be chair after sitting on the board for a couple of years um, just because I was, it was the right time. And, and uh, I was getting older and, as you can see, getting a little grayer. And, uh, and I was going to hit that 40 mark pretty soon, but it, I wanted to leave an impact. And, and something that I really was passionate about is, is getting people involved. Um, you know, at our company, you know, I, I love to get people involved beyond just, hey, I'm going to work my nine to five and, and go home and, and move on with my day. There's more to there's more to that than than just coming in and working. There's there's an impact you can make on the community. And Thrive has a big, um, you know, nonprofit aspect to it, too. We pick a nonprofit every couple of years and, and really strive to bring people and funds to to their campaigns. And right now it's um, uh, reach uh, reading enriches all children, um, which is a it ran the free bookstore in military circle. Uh, that's no longer in military circle. They've relocated up to Janeth, but really great program um, and something that doesn't necessarily get a lot of people behind it. A lot of a lot of companies will donate time to um, the food bank or things like that. But some of the smaller nonprofits, it's really hard to get people out um, and about. And and Reach has been one that that they've been able to inter interact with. Now being over forty. I, uh, I participate a little bit on the board, but it's something that I'm still passionate about and, and, and really hope for success. But, you know, struggling and coming out of COVID as a networking-based young professional organization has been difficult um, and uh, certainly been a challenge, but a fun challenge that we've tackled. And, and it's gone quite well, I would say. I always just found it really uh... This, the, the irony behind all the different meetings that I've been in, where it's like, how do we attract and retain the, the younger professionals? And then you look around the table and you have no representation from an organization like Thrive at all. You know, so it's just like, well, step one would be inviting the younger professionals to the table so that you can hear, hear firsthand what it is that they're looking for. It or any young person in general. It doesn't even have to be Thrive. Right. I mean, it's just... yeah. Or like I used to be in, I used to piss off so many people in meetings like that too. Cause I would say something like that, or they'd be like, this is diverse. And I'm like, really? Like, I don't see a single person of color here. I don't see a single chick here, uh, a, a woman here. Like, I'm just like, are y'all idiots? Just like, listen to yourselves. Like, why, why is it like, this? learn what diversity means. Like you want these things, whatever. So now that you're, um, it sounds like you're over 40, what's the over 40 thrive? Like what's the, is there, is there, well, a I, I think, I think you just retire into going to normal chamber events and things like that. And ah, I found back to the 50 I, to $70 chicken plates. <laughs> <Got it>. <laughs> I <laughs> guess I'm in a place where I can do that now. No, um, I, I like to stay involved in different things. I've kind of taken, you know, the thrive was almost like a, a full part-time job. I was doing two, three events at least a month plus meetings, plus, you know, keeping track of everything. So I've kind of taken a step back there a little bit, but I've kind of, um, I've been involved with, uh, you know, the Hampton Roads Innovation Collaborative now known, uh, oh gosh, help me, Tim. 
Innovate Hampton Roads. Yeah, Innovate Hampton Roads. Thank you. It's not like I helped <laughs> design a logo or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's something that I'm I'm trying to lean a little bit back into. Technology in the area is something that I'm passionate about. We attend a lot of stuff in Richmond because we have an office up in Richmond. So um, we interact with uh, RVA Tech a lot. Uh, it's 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 a different world because of the amount. You know, they basically have three or four full-time employees running their tech council. And it's it's a totally different than what we can establish down here where we have, um, you know, Tim. And then we have a bunch of volunteers running around trying to do the best we can. And it's, it's different. And, uh, you know, I don't see a reason why we can't be there. We don't have the same, I would say, corporate dollars that that they've been able to pull together in Richmond in the tech space, but certainly we can make an impact down here. So that's something that I'm, I'm trying to uh, spend some time towards now. When, when it comes to convincing your company, your boss, whoever at your business, that you should go and do non-direct related sales slash education slash non-profity things like you're talking about, mm -hmm. what's the pitch? The pitch is, um, the pitches, you know, if you're passionate about it, the pitch comes naturally. I think, I think you always say that, you know, for example, Lead Hampton Roads, I'm, I might not make any business from going and, and spending 10 days out in the wild, but I'm going to learn something. I'm going to pull something together and I'm going to pull some contacts together that might lead to something. And, you know, I think that's a lot better use of funds than, than just going in and saying, okay, I'm going to sponsor this event for $5,000 and we'll have our logo up there and maybe we'll get to talk 10 seconds or two minutes, five minutes and say a few things and then move on with our day. You know, I'd rather create relationships and, and that's the pitch I can make to, to break free a little bit. And certainly I would say the way I've structured it in the past, the investment has been as much on me as it has been on, you know, some latitude from marathon or some, understanding from the business to be able to break through and and do some things uh you know most of thrive work was all after hours that's all on me it's just a matter of hey can i get some understanding can i get some push on this and and most of the time a company is going to be rolling over saying you know you're going to put in more effort and you're going to wear my banner out there go go and i think if you make that pitch uh it's it's easy to do and and we've supported people you know, at our, at our company as well, even people who are serving on Virginia Beach committees and things like that, that have nothing to do with technology. You know, we understand the value that that could bring someday, the contact or the connection that that can make. And, and, uh, and we love people getting involved. This is our community. We're building, you know, we want to make an impact here. Um, we are, uh, I think it's worth talking about, you know, finding talent in the area since COVID We've hired as many people outside of Hampton Roads as we have inside of Hampton Roads. And that has been a big change to our company. So mm -hmm. building a, a remote culture has been a challenge and, and trying to figure out how to make someone sort of really hook into what Marathon's all about when they may not see you, may, not, may come out to see you once a year, something like that, but just see you through a screen all the time. Uh, it's a really big challenge and um, and something we, we've had to get creative about over the last three years. 
I think it's been working, but you know, it's, you never know um, when the next best offer comes by and someone who works in Colorado or something may not be as attached to us. So that's been a, right. it's been a huge challenge. Yeah. With, so now that you're like a, a father figure, if you will, for like the, uh, the thrive organization, what are the things that this area is doing right? What are the things that we still need to improve upon and implement? Well, I think, I think we need to embrace what's great about the area. I think, I think that's always, uh, you know, I've been on a couple of, I've been on the uh, chamber exchange leadership exchange trip. Uh, not this year, they went to Charleston, but last year when they went to Charlotte, and you go to you go to a comp- you go to a place like Charlotte that uh, is an established city has sports teams has all these things that you know people look at Hampton Roads and say man that'd be great if we had this it'd be great if we had that um, you know we're not going to be that we don't have a Bank of America we don't have a Wells Fargo throwing money into causes and into culture it's it's just not in our play now. If the Navy decided to start uh, donating a ton of money, then maybe we'd see something along those lines. But the Navy does a lot to support. So I think what are we doing well is is leaning into what we have, leaning into those yeah. pillars, um, you know, the, the the tourism pillar, the port pillar, the uh, the Department of Defense pillar and the shipbuilding architecture. There's a lot there that we do better than anywhere in the world um, where we're going with um you know, the wind energy aspects and what Dominion's doing here, you know, and building possibly a, um, you know, a whole manufacturing ecosystem around wind power could be a huge asset to the area. So it's, it's continuing to convince people, you know, what we, what we can be known for, what we are known for and continuing to push that. Um, There are a lot of people who come here every year on vacation, you know, that's a, that's a blessing to have a, a city like structure where you also have people coming here. We aren't, we aren't Myrtle beach where we just have a, a beach, a bunch of golf courses and a bunch of hotels. We have all that, but we also have a city too. And that's uh, from the people that I've spoken to that have moved here from like a DC um, or Philadelphia, you know, a lot of people moved during the pandemic and they found Virginia beach and they're like, this is like, the last bastion of having a real city, but also being a seaside town with something. Embrace that. Um, but what we could do better, um, you know, I'm always one that I scratch my head all the time when I when I work in one day, I might go from, you know, Virginia Beach to Norfolk to Portsmouth to Chesapeake, and they all have their own infrastructure and own ways of doing things and a whole overlapping things uh, that just make me scratch my head and you know, we, we drew these lines, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, and that's what we're sticking to. And we'll just, even though the cities butt up against each other, sure, we share some services. The, the fire department, if they get a call right across the line, won't ignore it. They'll come across and help. You know, there's, there's stuff collaboration in place. The mayors all meet. You know, the collaboration's all there, but the actual ownership is not set up that way. Everyone owns their little piece of land, and I it drives me nuts. And and coming from a city, uh, coming from a city like Toronto, where they had the same problem, and they basically had the province say, uh, "This doesn't make any sense. All you five, six cities need to merge, and and be done with it." Um, Toronto's known as the six. That's why it's known. It was six boroughs, kind of like New York and and boroughs. It had these separate towns, and the province said you had to merge. It doesn't make any sense anymore.
So what and you're telling I, me is Canadians are smarter than those down no, south. No, I, I think I think there was <laughs> no, there was things set up that they could do that, and I I think it's it's been tried before here, and I think it it hasn't sailed. And a lot of times when something's tried, and it just might have not been the right time, um, or might have not been the right place. But you know, I'd love to see some movement in, in those aspects where, you know, I'm not saying all of the seven cities of Hampton Roads need to merge because I don't necessarily think that makes sense. But certainly there's aspects where, uh, you know, if you draw the line down the peninsula between Newport News and Hampton, a lot of stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. You draw the line between Chesapeake and Virginia Beach, a lot of the stuff that they fight against doesn't make sense. And the fact that, you know, the regions are hiring, you know, executives between the two and, you know, they're, they're stealing police officers between the two. It's, 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 it's not making the overall region better. It's, it's fighting for our little cities and, and that's yeah. great. But, you know, we are much day, stronger together than going yeah. at it alone. Exactly. And, you know, I, I know I'm not a, a common voice. I know my, that idea of, of merging or at least amalgamating parts gets, gets laughed at very quickly, but, um, I, it, it was laughed at in Toronto. No one thought it was going to happen in Toronto until someone said, you have to do it. So if, if, if that happens someday, it wouldn't surprise me, but you know, it, it, I could see it being a lot of pain initially, but a lot of improvement down the road. Um, I do think there's things that are being set up to sort of combat the fact that we can't work together as easily. Some of the, um, the grants that they're doing on the local level where they can, they can set up a system to share profits. I forget how to do that, but you know, there's there's a system for that. To me, have you heard about that? Where they can, like, someone has an initiative in Chesapeake, but all the cities can invest and share in the tax yeah. revenue, things like that from that. Yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank on what uh, what the actual name is, but yeah, it, but stuff like that, that is collaboration. Yeah, stuff like that that can work well, and that you know, I think the organizations like the Hampton Roads Alliance and things like that are really our way of, of band-aiding the situation that we're in so that we can have organizations to cry and continue to pull things together. But, you know, every, every city is still at the end of the day, answering to their constituents and that's the way it's set up and every city has their own tax base and that's the way it's set up. And, you know, that's the way it operates. The, the good part that you were talking about before I can, put it under an umbrella that's even easier is just water right yep. all of those things are talking to our are, are part of water you know yes you have the beach which is water but then the military and then logistics i think you can throw in um the east coast um brewery capital of the world some people say it's Asheville. tim ryan says it's right here at home yeah um yeah i mean i look i i water things around water like why don't you just market that yeah does it make too much sense? I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's, would you ever run for regional? Might... Would you ever run for a regional mayor, Tom? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I I think down the road. Well, now let's see. You've already you, you, know. you got a couple of votes already based on the yeah. comments of uh, those uh, watching. So I mean, I think I think uh, you know politics has to. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Alan. Politics has to change. Uh, in in america for the better and i think there's a middle that we can all get behind but um you know it's 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 something where you know i i like being engaged 
with the area and, and making an impact. And, and uh, right now my impact is, is focused on what Marathon can do and, and build and, and making sure we're taking care of the, you know, 115 families or so that we impact on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's, that's really what I think and focus on now is, is, is how do we continue making Marathon the place where people want to work, people want to stay working and people want to make an impact. So, real quick, a regional question from uh, the Toronto yeah. aspect. So, does a place like uh, like Hamilton do they consider themselves Toronto or uh... so? So, a Hamiltonian will tell you that if you're if they're here, they'll tell you they're from Toronto. If yeah. they're in Ontario, they'll tell you you're they're from right. Hamilton. And Hamilton's a great place. My sister lives in Hamilton, so um, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just interesting, just in terms of so that makes sense. Same hold true for like St. Catharines as well. Uh, they consider. I think St. Catharines would say we're in the Niagara. Niagara Falls is an identifiable spot. Yeah, I think yeah. they can say Niagara Falls and 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 know where you're from, so they probably say that. Um, but uh, you know that whole it's Canada is a crazy place in in terms of how much land it actually occupies, and then you know I think it's sixty or seventy percent of the population is within you know the fifty miles of the U.S. border. <laughs> So it's 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 amazing how the population is uh, is centralized. It's not spread out up, up into the wilderness. <laughs> where it's all the where, where you, all the fires are taking place, Are you still yeah. catching uh, catching heat for uh, for that. No, I tr I try to stay. It's not my fault. I didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't start the fire, as they would say. Well, we'll we'll uh, be the investigators on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I want so I wanted to get your take on your your vice president at Marathon. You started up through IT and coding. Did you always have a desire to uh, play that leadership role, or uh, what's your take on like promoting coders to leadership roles when it's a matter of them just being there longer, not necessarily because they want to play a leadership position? So we we have many of our consultants who were that person who developed, you know, became senior and then, hey, there's a, you know, development manager position open and they became that. And then they hated that mm -hmm. and wanted to become more of that individual contributor again. And Marathon has been, a, you know, a bastion for people like that who can kind of come back and just work on solutions. You know, we look for people who are really good working with people, right? But not ones that necessarily want to worry about management and making sure that they're there, you know, all the other things that come with management. Me personally, um, I always had a little bit of a leadership knack to myself. I, I did, I did a lot of youth leadership through high school um, in a program called air cadets, which is in Canada here. I think they call it civil air patrol, very similar, but I, I spent, three summers in Cold Lake, Alberta, uh, one on course, senior leaders course in air cadets, and then two summers um, teaching that course or, or being staff on that course, which was, which was um, maybe a little bit power trippy when, when we were on staff, but um, certainly was a great way to develop leadership skills. And, and I kind of put those in the back pocket for a while, just, just developing and, and building solutions and being a coder. And then, you know, as, as opportunity erupted, I'm always one, you know, when I went somewhere, I wanted to do new things or wanted to try new things. And, and it, it always erupted to the point where, you know, Hey, 
I'd um, I'd love to uh, you know sort of exercise that muscle. And marathon gave me some opportunities, some leeways, and and it and it really just evolved into that. Um, it, it wasn't something that I uh, stretched out or did. It was just something that we evolved into. Two-part two question. Let's say uh, there's someone who is coming here uh, for the summer, as as many, uh, I would think hundreds of thousands, millions of people have this year. You're the Uber driver, Tom, the Uber driver. Uh, you're driving these people around, and they ask you two questions. Number one, what food item should I go get? That is like the Hampton Roads, the 757 food of choice. And number two is, what's the second part of this question, Tim? I always forget. Um, oh, what's the icon of this area, like the landmark of this area? Where, where is that? What is this area known for? Hmm. Well, someone's always going to be upset if I if I come oh, to it. Look, look, you know what? You're already running yeah, for mayor. We, You're running we're, for mayor. You piss people off. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, we, I would, we, I would go back. People to, have answered the same way. Yeah. yeah, I would I would go back to, you know, when I first came down here um, in 04, what were the, some of the first things people showed me? And that and that was the beach. That was the landmark that that that, you know, spoke to me, something I didn't have back home. Toronto has a beach, but, you know, Lake Ontario beaches are not beaches. So, um, you know, the beach spoke to me. That's the landmark of the area. That's where people are coming here for and coming to see. I would say since I've gotten to know Hampton Roads a lot better. There are a lot of places that I've discovered through lead or, or through clients or uh, through various things that, you know, are great. There's uh, great restaurants out in Suffolk, like Finn and Tonic, for example. There's Phoebus is one of my favorite places um, to go. And I know that's been mentioned here before, but Phoebus is a great place where, you, you know, there's something that you like there and you can find it. As far as food that I would tell people to try, you know, this is not a food of Hampton Roads, but uh, if I ever have time and just want to get something, I'm going to Taste of Maine, or uh, which is the lobster roll place in Great Neck. Mm. They also have food trucks, but their lobster roll, you know, or actually the rock crab roll is is the food in Hampton Roads that uh, if I had a choice, I would go there. People talk about that. They do like that. Yeah, um, so. it's not it's not poutine, but you know it's close enough, right? Poutine or Putin? I don't know. I'm not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the great state of Washington D.C. Yeah, it's a great state. I don't also. know if it is a state. What, what is it? Uh, the district? What district? Whatever it is. Who cares? Taxation without representation. People will be like, I can't believe you don't know. You just said it's the district. Okay, I called it a state. I'm What's, not running. I'm not running. Thomas, like it's okay. I, I, I am. Uh, I'm. I've not declared anything well. of the sort. <laughs> what would What would your guys answer for the food of Hampton Roads be? Well, you know, we continue to ask every guest that question, just because there's not been we have there's not been a a, a real winner in this. Everyone's been all over the place. So. Uh, the uh, the white sauce from yeah. Plaza Azteca is uh, is probably one of the leading candidates, but uh, orange crushes is probably two in there. Orange crushes. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's going to be down at the oceanfront, I definitely tell them to run down to Waterman's and have an orange crush from Waterman's. I mean, that's they're just, all doing uh, them now, though. Some form yeah, of yeah, it seems but, like, but yeah. Waterman's is 
they're, they're like the, they're the, the pets for, for cheesesteaks in Philly. You got to go to the OG the original. Yeah. 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 Or the shack, right? The shack's probably the easier place to go and just chill and grab a crush. Grapefruit crush. Well, you know, I'll tell you, and Tom, you can appreciate this. Uh, Zach and I will hit uh, Dirty Buffalo, and uh, at Dirty Buffalo, they have a Loganberry crush, and uh, that, was, I, that was the first time I, 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 we were sitting at the bar before a concert, and I, I heard someone mention Loganberry, and I was like, man, I haven't heard that, heard Loganberry in so long that uh, so then I had to, to partake, and it was uh, it was great. I'm not very happy with Dirty Buffalo right now, so. Um... <laughs> we got some we got some um some talking got, to do we got some challenges with them they took off my favorite item off the menu which who does that do they know who i am i mean like i'm the oh whatever i'm not yeah. their wings are still great but hey you just got to start up your own uh no 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 bite of norfolk uh video series get them involved they have that they have yeah. that eat with bite eat City with bite. City with bite. Yeah. City with bite. What's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? I mean, I I'm just happy to, you know, I think one of the things that we didn't talk about is is recently Marathon, you know, bought a company, which was the scariest thing I think as business owners that we've done in in quite a while. Um, we bought SQL Data Partners, which is a, a consulting company out of Richmond. And it just made sense. It's like one of those things that comes to you and you're like, hey, this is this is a piece we're missing. We put that puzzle piece in. I think it fits right in with our company and, and we make that happen. And we decided to do that in May after talking to uh, Carlos, who was the business owner for, you know, over a year and kind of just saying, hey, does this make sense? Um, you know, that's one of the more interesting challenges as a, as a business owner that we've had where you know, we sit around the table and said, you know, why should we do this and why shouldn't we do this? And 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 kind of doing our own SWOT analysis. And uh, it, it was a leap, but a leap that's that's worked. And so far, it's been really interesting, you know, engaging another company into our company. Now, they, they were smaller um, and fit well, but, uh, you know, it's like hiring 10 people all at the same time. How do you, how do you like, it's like a shotgun blast of culture. How do you put that all out there at the same time? Whereas new employees, we can kind of ease them in, kind of get them involved with our team leads. Acquiring a company like that is, is super interesting as to, to how you orchestrate it. And um, certainly is going to make us take a pause before we do the next one. I don't think we're on an acquisition binge or anything like that, but uh, um, certainly one hey, of the things we've done. From a cultural standpoint, how long, you know, how how important is that to fit into your culture, and uh, you know, like, what kind of due diligence process goes into something like that? Uh, a lot of a lot of discussions, a lot of meetings, and a lot of saying, <laughs> you know, hey, how do you operate? Um, also, trying to figure out the dollars and cents of it. Does it does yeah. it make sense? Is that is there value for both? You know, Carlos, you know, selling his company and and us acquiring his company. Does that all line up? Um, you know, you, you really have to get into it and you can't like talk to his clients. You know, we had a couple of references where we talked to, but you can't, you know, go out there and say, Hey, so if we, you know, bought this company, you'd still work with us. Right. You know, those kind of things are a little bit of a leap of faith and, and you hope and judge from the relationship that he's developed with his clients, that it matches 
the same kind of passionate, you know, development we've done for our clients. Um, you know, we, we try to step above and beyond and, and we found the same match there. And if that aligns, we were ready to go. Historically, uh, in M&A's, the culture and, and the, the people coming together, that's where most of the turnover is because yeah. it's it's hard to get them to merge. And I remember having those conversations with Dominion Enterprises where they're like, yeah, like this is that is the hardest thing. It's not buying the company. It's it's yeah. getting those things to actually like work together. And hey, I used to do it this way. And, yeah. you know, it's just like infighting then. It's so kudos to you for for working on. Yeah. Making that it's, work. It's, it's still a challenge. I wouldn't say uh, we've we've planted the flag and said victory, but, um, you know, we've gotten a lot more involved with their clients and and uh, they've gotten more involved with ours and and the people have gotten involved together. And, th and that's where things happen. And certainly processes are a little bit different. You can kind of figure a lot of that stuff out over time. But um you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun challenge. It's been for a much busier summer than, than we expected much busier May, especially when, when everything went down. So it's been exciting. Congrats. Yeah. It's, a big, yeah. it's a big step. Yeah. It's, and, and you know, it, it, uh, there's a lot of companies bigger than ours, but it's certainly we want to make an impact and help, you know, grow the ecosystem as well. And it's just one of the ways you know, we're doing it and trying to trying to bring it together and and grow into Richmond. Maybe that, uh, you know, the super region will will take fold. We're certainly, you know, a part of that um, being involved both here and there. We can talk about that a different time because yeah, that's, I, that's a much longer thing. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd ha I'm, I'll leave you at this. Maybe, Tom, you and I can chat about this. But when they pitched it before, I didn't get it. I still don't get it now. Um on the surface level, I get, you know, putting those things together, but I don't know. It, um, it seems, it seems like it a, is interesting. I mean, just in the sense of like today, for example, they opened up the express lanes, uh, all the way to Fredericksburg now. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy to see how Northern Virginia just continues to inch its way South and boy. Fredericksburg wow. will still be the, the hell of all traffic on 95 though. It, it'll still be bad. <laughs> Uh, the, the coolest thing of the super region, I think, is the idea of planting a flag to, to make this area digital, a true digital port like Marseille and, and other places. I think, I think that is a very interesting development and something that I'm kind of watching. Certainly, we, as Marathon, you know, you think we'd play directly into that. Uh, you know, it's not going to affect us much other than, you know, if big data centers attract big companies here. But I think big data centers will attract lots of computers. And, you know, from my history working at big companies, we just used whatever data center we had access to. Didn't matter where we were. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, it's very interesting. We will see. Yeah. Tom, appreciate your time. Oh, Tim, appreciate good seeing you. Great to see you both. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank Until you, guys. Pleasure being online.